What's good, guys? It's your host, Adrian Evans. Welcome to the Black Wealth Media Podcast, where we dive into the stories of black entrepreneurs and we talk about how we can create wealth and build legacy within the black community. Let's get into this episode. What's good, y'all? It's Adrian Nevins, the host of the Black Wealth Media Podcast. So I'm here with the CEO of the Northside Clothing. He actually happens to be my cousin as well. I call him Chip. Why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself to the audience? Kamiko Leon, owner of Northside Clothing. Most of y'all know me as Chip, but yeah, that's me in a nutshell. Yes, sir. So how's everything been going for you, man, ever since the COVID-19 started? Everything been all right since COVID. Uh, I can't complain. We've been, we're still alive. Yeah. That's good in clothing. Yeah. So I can't complain. Do you feel like business has slowed down or has picked up for you? Oh, it's nice increased. Yeah. For sure. It's increased dramatically. Yeah. I think COVID was one of those things that uh, either you went super down or super up. I think we went up. So. Did, uh, did you ever feel like, like before, matter of fact, when you first heard about it, did you have the feeling that business was going to go down? or were When you I first all, heard about COVID? COVID, yeah. Did you feel like, oh, man, people going to stop spending their money? Um, did that come across your mind? Honestly, point? COVID was so new. The word and just the actual being yeah. of COVID, uh, I didn't know what to expect, yeah. to be honest. I didn't know what to expect, and I didn't know how to <clears throat> prepare. So I don't know. I, I didn't have any expectations for COVID. It ended up working out though. Yeah. So so you just kept it moving like normal. For sure. Yeah. For sure. I had my whole. I had my my life not life, but I had my year planned out regardless mm-hmm. of what drops I wanted to do and when I wanted to drop them and how I wanted to drop them. Mm-hmm. I had already had that planned out. Okay. Okay. So COVID didn't stop none of that. Yeah. That's what's up. It did slow down uh, the process of getting stuff done though, because some of my printers. They shut down due to COVID. Mm-hmm. So that was a factor I couldn't factor in. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? But other than that, we made our way around that as well. So yeah, nah, it's, COVID, COVID was all right. That's Still good. is. That's good. So, you know, when you first heard about your um, your printers, like when you first heard about them shutting down, like what, what kind of thoughts were going through your head initially? I mean, you know, at first it was crazy because it's like, damn, what we supposed to do? Right. But at the same time, it's it's like any other obstacle you go through, man. Right. You know what I'm saying? Right. It's one step at a time, figuring it out. But like I said, we figured it out. And we got past that quick. That didn't take long at all. Because right. once one shut down, other ones opened up. Mm-hmm. So it wasn't nothing. That's good. That's good. So, you know, tell tell us what you were doing before you started Northside. Uh, open sign just fell off, but don't trip. Yeah. You good. Uh, due to statute of limitation, I ain't going to say too much about yeah. what I was doing, but I did work jobs. Mm-hmm. I had small jobs, and uh, they helped me get through. And um, and I was in the streets. Mm-hmm. So, you know, what came with that. And uh, that was that was what I was doing before close. Was, I had little odd jobs, yeah. and mostly the street stuff. Yeah. For sure. So... When you came up with Northside, what inspired you to, you know, start a clothing line and call it Northside? 
I don't know. I just know from being in the streets and chilling on the block, we yelled that word a lot. Yeah. North side, north side, north side. We talked about it a lot, said it a lot. It was our daily, it was in our daily conversation. Mm. Okay, okay. And I thought just, you know, why not be creative and put it on a shirt? Right. And I probably wasn't the first to think of it, but I know for sure, as far as my city go, I was the biggest. Yeah. I took it the furthest, at least. Right, right. That's what I know for sure, but I don't know. I guess just chilling on the block every day. Yeah. So would you say it's like a, it was like a way of life and like you can still consider it a way nah, of life? No, North Side is culture. Yeah. Culture is a way of life. Yeah. And you know, it's the North Side culture for sure. For, for sure. sure. It's definitely a way of life. And it's for life too, regardless yeah. if I would have never made a shirt. I was going to be North Side for life yeah. regardless. So That's I don't know. Fact. I just thought it was smart to put it on something and to brand it and to, to own it. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? That's fire. That's smart. That's what I wanted to do. Yeah. But it wasn't an aspiration I had my whole life either, though, so, nah. Speaking of aspirations, what were some of your aspirations? Besides money or, like, yeah. besides uh, not wanting to work for people or, like, what? Besides not wanting to work for people and, like, money. Like, what was some Well, the money came from the streets because I was used to get money every day. Yeah. And, you know, when you get money every day, it's a certain way you walk and talk right. and it's a certain aura you carry when you when you know you're getting money every day right. you know what i'm saying so i wanted to keep that aura and that that persona because i liked it you know yeah. what i'm saying i liked that but i didn't want to do it in a way that jeopardized my freedom right. and as far as the job thing go i ain't want to work for nobody my whole life because i never could keep a job past a year anyway yeah. every time i work a job it might not even be that bad of a job but it was just <clears throat> it just hit me though like you operating somebody else thing when you could be trying to operate your own. Right. And that that's how that was about as far as the job part, but yeah. And and so, um, would you say taking that mindset from the streets and then bringing it into a business, do you feel like um that correlates as far as being a being fearless and running a business? Um, or do you feel like it's different? It's for sure different, but it's the same. Yeah. It's different because um, anything new you learn come with a new language, mm -hmm. and so if you if you play a sport, you know if you go play basketball like I did, and a coach you never played a day in your life, and you walk into a practice and the coach say get in the two three, mm -hmm. but you never played, right. you don't know what he's talking right. about. It's just the language. It's not that you don't know nothing. You just don't understand language mm -hmm. yet. So I think the difference for me in this game versus like the street life was learning the language of this. And I think once I learned the language, I got a little better at it. And I think every day I learn more language about it. Mm -hmm. But other than that, as far as the business part, though, it's no, it's no difference in the business part. You buy low, sell high. It's no different. Yeah. So I think that was it. But the language, for sure, was crazy for me because I never heard of screen printing or mm -hmm. any other factors of printing. Like, you know what I'm saying? I never learned garments. Mm -hmm. And I learned garments now. I never learned, like, any other little things that come with it, like the word tech pack. You know, I never heard that word before I mm -hmm. got into clothing. So, you know what tech pack is? No, nah, I never heard it either. <laughs> <laughs> a tech pack is how you it's how you design a garment piece. Yeah. So, if you're going to do a cut and sew T-shirt, you got to design that garment to the T, okay. but you got to have it designed in a tech pack. So, you draw the shirt out. You draw the dimensions of the shirt, the sizes of the shirts, and where you want to cut it and how far you want to cut and if you want the neck to be a U-neck, a V-neck, or a mm -hmm. crew-neck, okay. or if you want your shoulders to drop different, like, that's what helps you with tech packs. But you would have never heard that word had you not been in clothing. Right. Or yeah. not done your research while you was in clothing. <laughs> right. So I think the difference was the language. But yeah. the business and the money was no different, though. 
it was just about building it up though. But right. you know, in the streets we call it from crumbs to bricks. Mm. So that's, that's what right, I that's did. Right, that's right. It's like from crumbs to bricks. Yeah. So so tell me, man, like, you know, how how were you able to come up with some of the different ideas that you have for your clothesline? Like I see you have um on some of your clothes you have wolves. Uh, you have all types of different sizes. I see you even got something special right here. Y'all wore this for us? the interview today, but this one of our newer designs. I don't know. I don't even know if we're going to drop it or not. Yeah. But it's just something that we came up with, something creative. And uh, as far as the wolf, that's the underdog culture. Okay. And we use the wolf because the wolf is the highest version of a dog. So that's why we use that's the fine. wolf. But uh, the design, the thoughts behind the designs is, you know, stuff that we like. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Period. It's stuff that we like. I ain't try to go too far and try to capture an audience that wasn't already there. Right. I went for my target audience that I already knew I had, and that was the streets. Right. So right. I didn't try to go attack, like, chic culture, which is right. when you say chic and, and clothing is like luxury. Mm -hmm. I didn't go for luxury. I just went for street, out the gate, right. straight up. And, and I don't deny that when anybody asks. Yeah. You ask me what it is, it's street for sure. Yeah. And we working towards whatever we working towards, but it's definitely streetwear for sure. Yeah, I, I think personally, I think that's a smart move, especially when um, you you already know people in the streets, and then you start a movement. You know what I'm saying? And speaking of movement, um, from looks of it, looks like Northside is a huge movement movement in the streets. For sure. How does that make you feel? <laughs> it's good, you know. It's good. I think. Uh, I don't know. I think the movement is, it done went past the street at this point, Yeah. to be honest. I think we started where we started at, which was street. But right. at this point, I think we done moved beyond the streets, mm -hmm. to be honest. And I think uh, a lot of people who never grew up the way we grew up, they all engulfed in it like how we are. Yeah. But they all like it for the same reasons we like it, because mm -hmm. it's north side. Right. You know what I'm saying? You don't got to sell a drug to to wear this stuff. Mm -hmm. So I, don't, I wouldn't necessarily even say it's target marketed for the streets anymore, but it's like... That's where it started for sure. And I know that's still probably a big audience, but that's where it started for sure. Yeah. Now, I know along the lines, you know, at some point in the conversation, you said that you had multiple jobs. What was your very last job, and how were you able to balance that out with, you know, running Northside on, on the side? Mm. I worked at, I was a manager at a shoe store, Foot Locker, mm -hmm. and I uh, worked 40. 40-something hours a week at Foot Locker. And days that I got off early enough, I just came and opened my store. But, you know, I just opened on the days I could open and was closed on the days I had to be closed. But mm -hmm. I had to pay the bills at the house. But I don't know. I just think that if you want something, right. ain't nothing going to stop you. Right. You know what I'm saying? Nothing's going to stop you. If I could work 40 hours a week for a corporation, I could work 80 hours for myself. And that's how I always thought. Right. I go overtime, over and above, and beyond expectation right. for myself. Right. Especially if I'm doing it for them and a chick. So that's how I thought about that. It didn't even bother me. Yeah. So how much um how much patience patience did it take to come from that full time job <laughs> and then you get to that you're a full time employee? Like how how was that? Was that driving you crazy? Oh my god. Sitting in the store running somebody else's store? For yeah. 18 months. Yeah. That was ridiculous in my eyes. Yeah. And in my eyes, it took six months longer than what I planned. I planned to be there for a year. Mm -hmm. It just ain't work out that way. Right. But I did. I planned to be there for a year. It ain't work out that way. And, uh, you know, 
I may do, but I think that, you know, once uh, people start understanding the movement a little more, once people understand I had a spot you could pull up at, then I, I realized I had to quit because mm-hmm. I was missing so much money being there. Yeah. And it forced me to quit. And I think if you're an entrepreneur that got a job, yeah. you need to make your side hustle force you to quit your main hustle. I agree. And if you don't do that first, then you probably you probably need to wait. Because my job wasn't making as much as my side job was. So it, it turned my full-time job into my side job. Mm. And until your full-time job is your side job, you don't need to quit it. Thanks. If you still make more money at where you at, you need to stay there. And just, you know what I'm saying, do what you got to do until you build this up to that level. Or until you see potential in it to build to that level. But yeah. I don't tell people what to do. I just, I go out my Yeah. So what type of, what type of mindset did it take for you to, you know, be able to run a business? Like, how did you educate yourself on um, learning the language, you know, we spoke of that earlier, and just running a business in general? I ran Foot Locker for 18 months. I was the manager, so mm-hmm. nobody told me what to do. Yeah. I told them, mm-hmm. and our numbers was high. Mm-hmm. We was number one a lot of weeks. We was there, and when I first got to that job, they were in a negative. Mm-hmm. And when I left, they were in a positive a lot, yeah. super positive. Yeah. So I just understood from there, if I take that mentality, if a billion-dollar corporation trusted me to run a operation, mm-hmm. then it's nothing to run something this small. Right. That's the mindset. It, it didn't take nothing. It, it took me to go to their job to get a little confidence to stay here and stick it out every day because Foot Locker taught me that every day not a good day. Right. Foot Locker had bad days, and they worth a billions. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? They worth billions. And if, if they have bad days, who are you? Right. You know what I'm saying? Right. They got bad days, who are you? That's how I looked at it. But I also understood that Foot Locker does not have a connection to the community, though. Mm-hmm. Foot Locker has zero connection to the community. The community uses Foot Locker for what they got, mm-hmm. for the service that Foot Locker provide. I feel like if we provided a service that the community needed it, mm-hmm. then we could, you know what I'm saying, be up one. Yeah. And that's how I thought about it. So I thought the service that I was already providing, which was my clothing line and, um, you know, just general hospitality when you spoke to me and talked to me, I felt like we was up one through that service. Mm-hmm. But, you know. That's how I felt like. That's that's just what I felt like. Yeah. And I felt like we could be direct with the community. We'll be all right. Because I thought that's what big corporations like that. They mm-hmm. don't have anything to do with the community. But they get a lot of money from the community. Right, right. So if you got something that you're doing for the community and they wear your stuff proudly and they know it represents the community that they walk in, mm-hmm. then I feel like they'll support you more than they would support something like a footlocker. Mm-hmm. That's just in my opinion. Yeah. I think that's a very, very smart observation, and I think that's that was good for you because you were able to bridge the gap, you know what I'm saying, between, you know, your clothing line and you, and then here's uh, Foot Locker, and, you know, you're the manager. And then also, I know we had some, some conversations outside of this that you had people coming to your job to get clothing, you know. Um, <laughs> yeah, we can talk how, about how it now. Go? Yeah. We can talk about it now, but that yeah. Foot Locker, though, uh, my district manager, Kevin, he wasn't really proud of that at the time. Yeah. Uh, we we did good keeping that away from him. But, yeah, at Foot Locker, though, before I started at Foot Locker, I started my company. So yeah. I was already selling clothes before mm-hmm. I started okay, working okay. at Foot Locker. When I got to Foot Locker, I was still releasing clothes. Yeah. So Saturdays, if you're a manager, it's mandatory you work weekends because right. you're at a retail store. 
So I dropped most of my clothes on weekends. Mm -hmm. So what it did was it just made people come buy my clothes as they were shopping at Foot Locker. But the crazy part about it that I that I did like about it was every time I sold something to somebody, the first thing that come out their mouth is, why Foot Locker don't got your stuff in here? Mm. Like they should yeah. have your stuff here. That's what yeah, everybody used to say. They yeah. should have your stuff in here. So I, I was just like, damn, people feel like that about it. Like yeah. I should get a store. Yeah. If they feel like they'll buy it off a rack, I should put it on a rack instead of serving it out the trunk. Yeah. You know, and luckily I ain't go through what Nipsey and his brother went through. Like I watched a lot of their stuff. That's what inspired me a lot was Nipsey and Black Sam. Yeah. And uh Nipsey always tell the Black Sam too, they always tell the story about how they started on the curb, and it's mm -hmm. basically the same way I started on the tr out the trunk. Yeah. So they were selling stuff on the curb, and they talked about how the police took all their stuff and made them go buy a spot. And told them you can't just sell on the curb; you gotta go pay rent. Right. And uh, luckily, I ain't getting none of my stuff taken, but I just took the same mentality though, and I was like, "No, nah, we gotta, we gotta go pay rent." And people are already asking about it. Yeah. So I was like, it was, it was actually, you know, what I'm saying, a smooth progress, proved smooth process. Mm -hmm. so, yeah. So. Speaking about the trunk, um, what was it like just selling out the trunk in general? Did you have to go all over Winston, or did you have most people come to you? Like, well, I already had a clientele because mm. of what I was selling before close. Mm. So my same clientele would just come up mm. to the same car they was used to coming up to. Okay. But this time, the bag I was handing them wasn't drugs. It right. was T-shirts. Right. <laughs> and I would fold That's it, fine. though. Yeah. I had, like, customer service in the trunk. So right. if you buy a shirt, I fold it, put it in plastic. You know, put the push the plastic down and give it to you. I'm talking about fresh shirt. And most people would be like, bro, you ain't got to fold it and put it in a shirt. I mean, you ain't got to fold it and put it in plastic. I'm about to put it on. And I tell them, nah, like, this yeah. is part of it. You know what I'm That's saying? So it. the experience of popping something open and putting it on, you know it's fresh because you popped it open. Right. You know what I'm saying? So I think that started right there. That's what that was. But that's how I got clientele with that. Yeah. And I think word of mouth was my biggest thing before yeah. Facebook and Instagram. Yeah. Now Instagram and Facebook is just unbeatable. But back then it was word of mouth, word of mouth, word of mouth. Like, you know the dude with the gold Honda, he's selling out the trunk with the yeah. Northside shirts. And everybody's be like, I've been wondering who got these shirts and you the dude with them. And, like, that's how every conversation went. Because yeah. people were so used to me playing basketball or doing what I did in the streets. They weren't used to me provide t-shirts right. i never thought about clothing anyway so i know nobody else thought of me when they thought about clothes right so that was different yeah. but other than that it was it was all right selling yeah. out the trunk i was used to the trunk yeah and, and, and so like and you can't fail in a trunk yeah trunk okay. has no rent yeah, yeah yeah that's a good that's a good trunk point. has no rent that's a good point you know what i'm saying trunk yeah. ain't got lights the trunk ain't got water. <laughs> yeah. Trunk has nothing. You yeah. go to the trunk, if you don't make a sale today, all you got to do is provide gas money. And you was already coming to this place anyway. Yeah. So the gas money was spent already anyway. Yeah. That's what's up. That's how I looked at that. So you Good, Samara? So, so did you have, like, like now that you're in a store, um, did you have, like, or do you have uh, financial goals? Like, do you sit down and set financial goals that you want to reach, and if you do, like, do you break them down day by day? Like, I gotta get this many sales. How do you do that? Or if you do that, <laughs> we joke a lot in here, but yeah, I do got a quota. Yeah, <laughs> we joke. I joke about the quota, mm -hmm. but it is real for me though. I do got a quota that I meet every day. I got a Monday through Thursday quota, mm -hmm. and I got a Friday and Saturday quota. Mm -hmm. But uh, those quotas is just meant because yep, those quotas are set 
because if we meet them, mm-hmm. we know what we can be and the progress we can make. Right. And I set the quota because if we go under, then we understand what we got to work towards. But mm-hmm. it ain't like a, it ain't like a, a do or die quota though. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. It's not like if we don't make it, we dead. Right. You know, but it is something to give us. It just give us something to work towards. And if you if you don't work towards something, I feel like it'll fall easy. So I always focus on progressing. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what the quote is for. The quote is for continuous progress. It's how I gauge my progress. And in business, uh, I learned that people gauge your progress off the money you make, mm-hmm. off the sales you make, and, uh, you know, just, just off your money, period, people gauge that. So people want to know you're making money. And people, people spend money where money is being spent at, too. Mm, so like when we buy signs like the North Side versus everybody sign yeah. that's not cheap. We buy like the other signs we got hanging or we repaint the whole store, or we remodel the whole store like mm. what you saw us do. Right. This we done took this store to the next level and we <clears throat> we always talk about another level we can take it to. Mm. Even even with the level we at. So I think that the continuous progress and trying to progress is is gonna help us be great one day, yeah. regardless. Yeah. And uh, we don't rush ourselves either. But we on our own time. But now, now, speaking of own time, how does that feel? You know, you 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 working full time. You you pretty much control your own time. Uh, does that ever hit you? Like, or is it just something you used to? Like? Sometimes it's comfortable, but sometimes it's uncomfortable. Yeah. Cause, man, when you work a job, the security of the job is what lets you sleep good at night. Right. Because, you know, as long as you go to work on time and leave on time and do your job in between that time, you'll get your check. Mm-hmm. This don't matter. I could come here every day on right. time and leave on time and do everything in between, and I still might not get the same thing every day. Right. So I don't, that doesn't matter. But, um, you know, it is a little bit comfortable, but at the same time, it's, it's not. And, you know, you got to deal with the uncomfortable times as good as you deal with the comfortable times. Mm-hmm. But I think playing basketball my whole life helped me out with that. Because you don't win every game. Right. And I think every day I come in this store, if I have a bad day, I take it like a bad – I take it like a loss. Because mm-hmm. some, some games I might have scored 30 and we lost. So some days I might have made money in here, but we just didn't meet the quota. So right. it's like a loss. Right. But you still made money. You didn't score zero points. You didn't make zero dollars. Exactly. You know, but, nah, that's – the uncomfortable feeling and the comfortable feeling is a feeling I done got used to. Mm-hmm. So I just – you know what I'm saying? I ride the boat, right, regardless if it's rocking or not. Yeah. I think I think that's good, just being able to get comfortable in an uncomfortable situation. Or For sure. You got to get used to being uncomfortable. It's yeah. going to help you out. Yeah. It's going to help you out. It's like shooting a tough free throw. Yeah. It's going to help you out because that's a uncomfortable situation, but if you know good and well, if it go good, mm-hmm. the, the reward afterwards is going to be amazing. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So. I don't trip on bad days, and I don't trip on good days. Yeah. I don't care what we make or what we don't make. I don't trip on either one. I trip on the progress and, you know, if people like it or if they not. Like, that's what I trip off of. But I don't trip off being comfortable or uncomfortable, though. And I try not to think about it either. Yeah. I don't try to think about it like, ah, man, I can wake up whenever I feel like it. Yeah. No way. Because you. you can't think like that. Yeah. The day you think like that, you'll be dead and you'll be back working for somebody else. Yeah. You got to work overtime. I'm talking about you got to overgrind and you got to work overtime. You know what I'm saying? You got to go so hard and people get tired of you promoting. Mm-hmm. People get tired of seeing your success. People get tired of seeing what you're doing. 
you know, they get tired of it. And it ain't that it's bad for you. Mm-hmm. It's just that, you know, some people don't accept success the same way others do. Yeah, some true. people don't like to see you doing good. Because I know when I was selling out the trunk, I had a lot of people who would support me when I was out the trunk. Because mm-hmm. they just probably thought of it as a dude out the trunk. Mm-hmm. But now that I got a store, them same people who was coming to my trunk, they don't come to my store. Mm-hmm. Which is their own reasons. Yeah. But, you know, in my eyes, it's, they don't like the success. That's how I look at it. Yeah. And speaking of that, um, you know, people loving your success and people hating on your success, um, did you ever have to separate yourself from, like, a certain group of people to elevate um, in your business and in yourself? Nah. What's up, guys? I hope you're enjoying the show. If you are, I want you to take a screenshot of yourself listening, and I want you to tag at underscore the Black Book Media Pod. That'll be a big help as far as getting the message out. Also, I want you to go ahead and leave a five-star review and go ahead and subscribe. And let's get back to the show. I had the same friends since, like, eighth grade. Mm-hmm. I'd had the same friends since eighth grade, and uh, I never had to separate from them. The, the, the couple of friends I got that I can count on one hand, yeah. they never judged me for my success, and I never judged them for theirs. I never judged them for their failures. They never judged me for my failures. But one thing I do make sure that I do with my friends is keep it real. So if we if we short on one end, I make sure I tell them where you short at. Mm-hmm. And if I'm short on one end, they make sure they tell me where I'm short at. But then, like I said, all of that goes back to just continuously wanting to progress. Right. But I didn't necessarily have to separate from nobody. I went through that in high school playing basketball with my uh my high school coach. Mm-hmm. He didn't like the group I was hanging around. But like I told my high school coach even back then, like when you grow up in the areas we grew up in, when you go outside, you can't just be singled out. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. You can't just be like by yourself right. and stuff like that. So my 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 coach didn't like who I was hanging with, and he always said the people you hanging with gonna go to prison one day, and if you hang with them, you gonna go to prison. And he was right. All my friends have been to prison except one. Mm-hmm. But uh, I haven't. Mm-hmm. So I think that just go back to being a follower versus being like a leader. Yeah. And I think uh, I don't think it's hard to be a leader. Yeah. You don't think it's hard to think for yourself. I think if you think for yourself, you're automatically a leader. You don't have to lead a group to be a leader. You just be the leader of yourself. And I think you would be all right. But as far as separating from people, though, in high school they wanted me to separate from people, but even then I did. I didn't separate from nobody, and I and it didn't stop any of my success. Any any of my success that wasn't, you know, as big as I thought it was going to be it was probably on me. Yeah. And I wouldn't blame that on a group of friends or nothing like that. But choose your friends wisely for sure. Because it took me into eighth grade to get a friend for life. Mm-hmm. Really ninth grade. Eighth grade, yeah, I met one of my best friends, and then ninth grade, same way. Mm-hmm. Met another one of my best friends for life. So I just think that you pick and choose, you know what I'm saying, people who are likewise like you and like-minded like yeah. you, and I think that'll help you out. Because, you know, even some of my friends who went to prison, they still got some of the best minds. You know what I'm saying? They just made mistakes like any human. Right. Ugh, not black person or white person, right. but just right. any human. Right. We all make mistakes, and I think that some of the mistakes they made is just mistakes I never got caught making. Straight up. Yeah, that's real. So what type of um, 
what type of steps do you take to better yourself as a business owner and better your business? So like, you know, stuff do you do you read articles? Are there like interviews that you watch or you know, are there any anything like that? I don't know. I was always told if you knew better, you do better. Mm-hmm. So I think that knowing is the first part, and the doing is the second part. Right. So I did, uh, I did a lot of research. Mm-hmm. You know, I read a lot of books. I, I still read a lot of books, and I did a lot of research. And uh, I went to college. I went to a lot of schools. I don't know. You know what I'm saying? I think life experience helped me out more than books did. But books came later on mm-hmm. when I understood that I need to read self help books and entrepreneur books and things like that, you know. In high school, they had us reading books that I didn't like. Right. And I can't even remember the name of right. any of them because I didn't like them. Right. But uh, as far as, like, some steps we took, it wasn't nothing specific. It was just you got to know stuff. And if you don't research, you don't know. You know what I'm saying? That's and true. you're responsible for what you know. That's true. You know what I'm saying? And that's how I look at life. I'm responsible for what I know. If I don't know something, it's on me. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? And I went to court one time. A judge told me that ignorance is no excuse. Mm -hmm. So I never in my life let ignorance be an excuse. I always went out there and seek knowledge. And the only way you're going to be able to have an opinion on something is if you know something about it. How are you going to voice an opinion and not know anything? Right. You know, it's like watching them people on ESPN who don't know nothing but got the (laughs) best opinion. Right. You know what I'm saying? So that's how I look at that, but... Yeah, that's that's how I look at that. Yeah, and now, um, outside of this, you know, you you're actually on the way to uh, you're soon to be father. So, does that feel like does that make you feel like you have to go harder, or are, were you already in that mindset shift? Yeah, I was on grind mode regardless, but I know for sure. Nobody's going to lie and say, child, don't up you. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Don't up what you got going on. Right. But it don't put pressure on me either, though. I don't feel no pressure. Yeah, that's good. That's good. I don't feel no pressure because I already feel like I was putting enough pressure on myself anyway. Yeah. I'm, one of them, I'm one of them people who want the pressure. Yeah. Don't shy away from it. I want yeah. the last shot. I want the free throw. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? I want it. I'm yeah. not tripping. I want it. But it comes for who it's for. Yeah. And I've been put in them situations plenty of times, and I think coming up to have a child, like, it's gonna be another step mm-hmm. of pressure. Yeah. But it ain't gonna be like, it ain't gonna be like nothing that break you. All right. I'd be alright. That's solid. That's a, that's a, I think that's I'll real. Be all right. That's a solid mindset for sure. Um, and so, what kind of advice would you give to you know like a young woman or a young man that? They want to come in. They want to start a clothing line. Like, what steps would you tell them to take? Oh, uh, man. I would say do as much research as possible before you even let your first T-shirt out. Yeah. Just do a lot of research. But I would say figure out who target audience, target market. Mm-hmm. Figure out those things. Figure out what those words mean. Figure out what revenue is, what profit is. You know, mm-hmm. figure out. Figure out them little things, but mainly get in there and get active. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Don't talk about a design you've been drawing for three years. Mm-hmm. Go print it. Put it on yeah. a shirt and go see who like it. Right. Go fail. That's my advice is to go fail. I like that. You know, go fail because that's what's going to help you. Yeah. My failures helped me more than my successes did. For sure. Getting them jobs humbled me mm-hmm. <laughs> to the max. <Yeah. laughs> they humbled me to the max. Yeah. But it didn't stop my... 
it didn't stop my self confidence. It just it just humbled me though to understand like you got a lot of work to do. Yeah. You know, and I think like, we still got a lot of work to do. Yeah. A That's lot. Fact. So pretty much you're saying go seek failure. Go for that. For sure. Yeah. For sure. I ain't even gonna say seek it, like don't go look for it. Yeah. But don't be afraid of it. Right. Right. No, don't go look for it, nah. Don't look for failure. Don't even think of yourself as one. But when you do fail, don't be scared to try again. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what I mean by go fail because you gotta it's like, you know, it's like you got a son. Yeah. It's like teaching your son how to walk. Right. How many times is he gonna fall before he actually Fall <laughs> you know yeah. what I'm saying? Yeah. So I think every time he fall, it might scare him to stand up again. Right. You know? But if he if he never falls, he probably will never walk. Right. You know what I'm saying? So I think you got to fall in order for you to walk. That's just how I think about life in general, though. I'm going to fall. Yeah. And that's failing. So, But you're going to get to walk. And the day you start walking, like when he turns two and he's walking – Unlimitedly, mm-hmm. you're never gonna think about the days he was falling. Facts, that's facts. That's how it works though for me. So all the failures I had, once I had success, I forgot about all the failures. Mm-hmm. They was like so irrelevant. Yeah. That's just how I think about it. Like I don't let a failure, I don't let a failure knock me. I done missed game winning shots. Yeah, I didn't already deal with the pressure of answering like newspapers when they like. Man, how you feel when the shot didn't go in? Like, yeah. what you mean? I feel like yeah. heartbroken. Right. You know what I'm saying? Like, emotionless. I don't even know what emotion could describe it. Right. You know, but I done already been through it. I done already been through it. Right. So failure is nothing to me. Yeah. Absolutely nothing. So, so when it comes to business, do you feel like you have had, matter of fact, when it comes to some of your worst days, like as a business owner, can you describe like what was that what that was like? Yeah, for sure. Uh, with the store, or without the store, both. With let's start with without the store. So without the store, my worst day would probably be sitting in a hot parking lot on yeah. top of my trunk, and nobody coming up to me. Yeah. That'd be like the worst day on the trunk. Mm-hmm. My worst day at the store would be like me sitting here all day and making no dollars and not only not making no dollars just having no interest like nobody pulling up yeah and i haven't had that since like march but mm-hmm. probably even before then but um i had those days early mm-hmm. like a january in january i had a couple of days where you know nobody even stopped yeah but it didn't stop me mm-hmm. you know i still got on instagram facebook and i still release stuff i still talk positive because I understood. And like I told you, I worked at Foot Locker. Yeah. So Foot Locker set me up. Right. They helped me out. Foot Locker had bad days in there. Right. I worked at a community foot, not a community. I worked at a street store. Mm-hmm. And it's a street store because it's not in a mall. So any Foot Locker that's not in a mall, they deem it a street store. Right. So when you at a street store, it's like, you know, it's foot traffic. And it's uh, people that pull up. Excuse me. But, um... You know, they had bad days, and they worth a billion. Mm-hmm. So I don't think about a bad day here. Yeah. I don't. I My homeboy sent me a message the other day, and if mm-hmm. you read my quotes every morning that I put on Instagram, yeah, I put that in there. I was like, my homeboy from prison messaged me, yeah. and he was like, how everything going? Is everything good? So I messaged him back, like, what you mean? And he like, I'm just checking on you. I'm like, Brian, I don't remember the last time I had a bad day. Mm-hmm. 
That's what I responded. Yeah. Like, I remember the last time I had a bad day. I can't have a bad day. Yeah. I don't even know what it feels like to have a bad day. That's solid. Forget the money. Yeah. They tripping on the money. I just, I don't know what it's like to have a bad day. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? I don't know. I don't have bad days. And they all not great either, but I don't have bad days. Right. My bad days is, bad is, that word is too harsh of a word for me to describe it for my day. Yeah. Especially when I'm free and I got breath in my lungs. Right. There's no day is a bad day if I'm free with breath in my lungs. Because that means I got opportunity. And if I got opportunity, it's a good day. That's solid. You know what I'm saying? That's how I look at it. But you got to, though. Yeah. You know? When you grow up out here and you grow up in environments that... That you don't have opportunity in every day. Yeah. So where we grew up at was, you know, people honored the hustlers. They honored the drug dealers. They honored, like, the people who came home from prison that was, like, that they stood on ten toes who didn't snitch on nobody. Yeah. They honored them type of people. They honored the hustlers, the people who came home from prison and stuff like that. And, um, you know, growing up, if that's how you see, that's what you want to be. Right. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And I was like... I want that same respect they get, but I want it in a different way. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? But that's just how it is. But the pressure's from outside to get anybody. Mm-hmm. It'll get anybody. I don't care what you say. It'll get anybody. You just got to be strong and you got to wiggle your way through it and somehow not get caught up in the mix, mm-hmm. which is too easy to get caught up in. Yeah. But anything easy, it ain't for me. So yeah, I want never really for the easy route. Yeah. That's solid, man. That's real solid. Um, Now, I know... Earlier you were talking about like Nipsey Hussle and For sure. his brother Black Sam. For sure. Um, now I personally know that you know Nipsey Hussle is a, a, a huge inspiration for you. For um, sure. Do you have any other people? Um, they don't even have to be famous, but do you have any other people that um, inspire you to, as well to you know keep pushing? People wise, I got people, but my situations yeah. is more than the people. Mm. I think. Growing up the way I grew up, I was a hustler, like, early. Mm-hmm. I'm talking about early. Yeah. Like, second grade, I made money. I had $500 in elementary. Yeah. And I had 1000 in middle school. <laughs> so, like, yeah. in elementary and second grade, i tell you this story because I called my mama the other day. Yeah. And I was, uh, I just moved from my apartment to her house. But in the process of us moving, we was moving stuff into the van. Yeah. And when we was moving stuff into the van, it was two women going to the, <clears throat> to the uh, dumpster. Yeah. And I told my homeboy that was helping me move, like, put that down. We're going to go help them. And we yeah. threw their stuff away for them while they was at the dumpster, right? So in second grade, that was my first job. Yeah. So in second grade, you're like seven years old in second grade, six or seven in second grade. So every woman or older person I would see, which at the time when you're seven, everybody older than you, right. I uh I threw their trash away for them. But I never asked for nothing. Yeah. I just see you walking with a bag, and I just go take it out your hand, and I throw it away because I got energy. I'm seven. It don't affect me the way it affects you. You might have came home from a long day from work. Right. You don't feel like taking fucking trash out the day. You don't have kids. Nobody do it for you. I just run up to you and snatch your trash out your hand, literally. Yeah. Or... <laughs> People will pull up in the car and they trash should be on the back of their car and yeah. they about to get out and I take it off the back of the car and throw it. Yeah. I literally my my building you could see the trash can from my building. Yeah. There was only one dumpster in my building. Yeah. I mean in my apartment complex. So I used to run up to that dumpster all the time and throw people trash away. And what that turned into was people giving me tips. That's, so a lot of people used to start giving me like five dollars, five dollars, yeah. five dollars, five dollars. <laughs> and it actually got so big. <laughs> 
Right. Wow. It got so big. One day I went out of town to my dad's house. Well, maybe I was just gone for a day. And my brother tried to go to this main woman that used to pay me money. And he yeah. tried to take out her trash for money. <laughs> and he tried to, like, steal my job. But she, she was like, no, your brother already. He handled my yeah. trash for me. Yeah. And I got so trustworthy through customer service that this woman went out of town. She left her key to my mom. So I could wow. go in there and, like, feed a cat and feed a goldfish and stuff. Wow. So it started early with my entrepreneur. So that's dope. That's what that was. But And then even after that, like, I had a candy woman in the hood who yeah. loved me. When I was in fourth grade, the way they describe it, I was so young, I don't remember. Yeah. But the way they describe it is she was gone at work, and she, she had painters coming to her house to mm-hmm. paint her house. And when the painters pulled up, they pulled up in a van. And they went in the house. Yeah. And I'm just from the neighborhood. I already know what this looked like. This looked like robbery. Yeah. And I was young. I had to be like third grade. Yeah. So I sat in the house the whole time the painters was there. I never left. Yeah. The whole day they was painting, I never left. So when the painters left, they called her like, Yo, you got some kid at your house won't leave. We about to lock the door. You got to tell yeah. them to leave. She didn't even know who it was. So when she figured out it was me, ever since that day, she gave me free candy every day. She wow. never charged me. So all the free candy she gave me, I sold. Oh, okay, okay. Right, so I had wow. I had to take out trash hustle, I had the candy hustle. Then my dad, he uh, brought me a bike for Christmas. Yeah. All my brothers got like cool mongoose bikes, yeah. next bikes, yeah. all the trick bikes with pegs on them. Yeah. My dad bought me a fucking mountain bike. Yeah. <laughs> Bro, I'm so pissed off. <laughs> I'm talking about pissed off. Yeah. Everybody in my neighborhood got cool bikes. Yeah. Everybody got cool bikes. I'm sitting over here with a big-ass mountain bike. And my dad, like, it's going to last longer than everybody else. Yeah. Just that, that third. He's trying to give me a whole <laughs> rundown of why the fuck I got a, a damn mountain bike. Yeah. But this dude who, uh, he sold drugs in my neighborhood, right? And I was so young, I didn't know what he did. But he uh, he came up to me one day like, look, bro, let me ride your bike to the next apartment over. I'll give you $10. Yeah. So that he gave me $10 every day to ride my bike. Every single day, I, I gave him my bike because I didn't like the bike anyway. Yeah, I didn't want to ride it anyway. Yeah, <laughs> so he liked it. He used to ride it yeah. <laughs> to the next neighborhood over. Yeah, he'll do his thing. He come back and he give me my money. And some days he give me twenty. Some days he give me ten. Yeah, so I was saving candy money, trash wow. money, and bike money every day. So I was like not telling my mama nothing. Yeah, never was telling her nothing because we were so broke. I ain't want nobody ask me for nothing. Yeah, and one day she just found my stash. It was like 500. Yeah. She was like, you in like fourth grade. <laughs> she like, where you get this money from? Like, I saved it. Like, I don't want to spend it. Yeah. And then she was proud. And yeah. I was like, damn, that's what's up. So then I got to middle school. I just kept hustling through middle school too the same way. Yeah. And I was in middle school with a thousand. Yeah. Not the same 500 either. Right. Like a, another thousand on top of that 500. So now I've been like an entrepreneur. I've been a hustler. Yeah. Been a hustler. Like, I was hustling, making money before all my brothers was, and I got yeah. five. I got four older brothers. Yeah. So I was making money before all of them. Man. I just liked it though. That was my hustle. Like my brothers was good at sports, and I was a hustler. Yeah. That's what I was. That's solid, man. I, I think I think that's very interesting. That's, that's something new I'm learning. Yeah, um, for sure. I pre I figured yeah. you know that. I and, saved and I, that. I saved <laughs> that. <laughs> and and <laughs> I think, man, I think that's dope because that's not a story. You hear about a lot of entrepreneurs, you know what I'm saying? Sure. Like that entrepreneurial spirit, that came with you naturally, you for know sure. what I'm saying? Uh, it's like you were born with that, and it, and it just, you know, you just had to be in the right situation for it to for sure. come out, you know what I'm saying? And so, I mean, that makes me think about like back in middle school, 
And uh, even elementary school, I knew kids that, like I had, a, I knew a kid named Danny back in sixth grade going around selling candy. Right. He had a whole that was big me. Old box of candy he pulled out at me. lunch. And I, even I was buying candy for like a dollar, and I just never sat and thought about like how much money is this kid making, you know what You I'm know saying? what else I used to do? Let me tell you how crazy I was. Yeah. You know, in, in middle school, they give you these these fundraiser packs, yeah. and it's candy, though, yeah. for every student to go sell, and you basically take it to your mama, your mama take it to a job, and she sell it. Yeah. I used to give mine to my mama, she go sell it, that was cool, yeah. but I used to buy other people boxes from them. Oh, wow. I'd buy the whole wow. box. Yeah. I'd be like, bro, just let me buy your box, and they'd be yeah. like, what you mean? I'm like, I'd buy the whole box. Yeah. And we'd be in like sixth grade, they'd be like, Chip, you can't afford a whole box, like this shit, $50. I'm yeah. like, bro, i give you 50 for the box. <laughs> I buy everybody box, so everybody in school boxes be sold out. Everybody yeah. get their fundraiser. Everybody meet their, because if you meet a certain fundraiser quota, you get to go on a certain trip or whatever they have for you. All right. I knew my mama. She worked at a dental spot. She was gonna sell my box. Yeah. I give her mine. Whatever she bring back, she bring back. I wasn't tripping. Yeah. But I went and bought their boxes. Yeah. And everybody ran out when the fundraiser the time was over. It was like a three month span. I was selling candy after that. <laughs> All the same candy that they gave me <laughs> for hire. Wow. They, I bought it for a dollar. I sell it for two <laughs> when it was done. Because now I know y'all want it. Yeah. Because if everybody done sold it, it already showed me that the clientele base is there. So now all I know, if I buy it, I chill, wait yeah. till it's over. Yeah. Come back, hit everybody wow. with the same thing. I did that for so many years in a row. I did that from six, seven, and eighth grade. I did that every year at every school from middle school. So, so you told me that I'm thinking you got a nice profit. Not for that? sure. I made $50 off of every box. Wow, that's crazy. That's awesome, man. So, I made $50 off of every box. So, yeah, man, like, you know, um, if somebody wants to, if somebody wanted to get in contact with you and um, they had inquiries about the clothing line or they just want to, they want to start a clothing line, how could they reach you? Right now, we don't really help people with clothing lines yet because mm. we're not even big enough to act like we know what we're doing. Yeah. You know, we still figuring it out ourselves. Mm. You know what I'm saying? And that's something I won't deny. But if if I figure, if I find out, like, you know, you're smaller than us and you're just trying to get started, i help you. Mm-hmm. But, you know, some people dream so big, it's just hard to help them. Yeah. And some people don't understand stuff. It's so hard to help them with. You feel me? Yeah. And uh, let them know some more. Nah, nah, yeah, hold on. How long are you? Yeah, we about to be done. Nah, you um, good. But yeah, um, I'm saying, sorry, what was you saying though? Yeah. Uh, you talking about inquiring about like getting stuff done? Yeah, like, like, or um, if somebody want to buy your clothes, like. Oh, oh, no, 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 that's easy. TheNorthSideClothing.com. Yeah. The North Side on Instagram. And uh, if even if you type in the Northside Clothing on Facebook, Kamiko Leon will pop up, and you'll be able to click on that, and you'll be able to reach us that way. But as far as like helping people start brands, yeah, we're not into that quite yet. We're gonna open up something for that soon, but we don't have nothing to help them start a brand. But yeah. if you want to help support our brand, mm-hmm. help support the movement we got going, then yeah, for sure we can help you with that. The uh, NorthsideClothing.com, you can order on there all day. <clears throat> and then the North Side clothing on Instagram. That's how you do that. All right. Mm-hmm. So there you have it, guys. This interview is over. I'm your host. We out. Peace. Appreciate that, brother. Yeah. That was all right. Yeah.
That was solid, bro. I knew you ain't know about that entrepreneur story. Heck. What's up, guys? It's me again. So tell me, what'd you think about the show? I really hope you enjoyed it. If you did, I would love for you to take a screenshot and tag at underscore the Black Wealth Media Pod and share this on your Instagram stories with your friends. That would be very appreciated. Also, go inside the podcast app to subscribe, leave a five-star rating, and a five-star review. This helps us get the message across all over the world so more people can listen. On top of that, I really do hope you guys enjoy the show. And I'll see you next week on the Black Wealth Media Podcast.